0: The following is message number four of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Atlanta, Georgia on the morning of March 26, 2017. The title of the message is Receiving the Crown of Righteousness and being saved into the Lord's heavenly kingdom through the Lord who is with our spirit and the grace that is with us. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kangas. Our Lord is joyful and radiant. Amen. He's very encouraged, he's fully expecting to see his life in the glory lived out in all of us. Amen. He gathered us together this weekend to encourage us, to supply us, to enlighten us, to love us. To motivate us. And to direct us toward his goal. Amen Is it better now? <laughs> In Second Timothy, 1: nine. Paul tells us that God saved us and called us according to his own purpose. We know from Revelation 4.11 that God created us because of his will. And his will is what God wants. Now we read that God saved us according to his purpose. God's purpose is his plan according to his will to fulfill the desire of his heart. God's purpose is his purposeful determination to reach his goal. Then in 2 Timothy 3.10, Paul tells Timothy, you have closely followed my purpose. In 1.9, he speaks of God's purpose. In 3.10, of my purpose. If we consider this, we will realize... There are not two purposes. God has one. Then Paul has his own. That is degradation. When Christian workers have a plan or a purpose that is not God's plan and purpose. They're doing something on their own. For Paul, God's purpose Became his own purpose. And Timothy closely followed Paul's purpose. It was not a theory to Timothy. It was not a doctrine. He saw it lived out over many years. In the life of his spiritual father who was the embodiment and expression of God's purpose. God's eternal purpose is to have the church as the body of Christ in order to have the bride of Christ consummating as the new Jerusalem. God's purpose is to have the church his body, as his corporate expression. This is God's purpose. Whether we realize it or not, we were saved for this purpose. Countless millions of believers will be deceived and led astray again this morning When they are told that you were saved. So that you would have a wonderful dwelling in heaven. We were saved. So that God would have a wonderful dwelling on earth. And that we would dwell in this place with him. But the body that is built up will be presented to the Lord Jesus as his bride when he comes. The Lord will come first secretly for the believers, then openly for the whole earth. When he comes openly, he will come as the righteous judge, As the King of Kings. But when he comes secretly for the believers, he will not come as a judge and not mainly as a king. He will come as the bridegroom. Because what will motivate him to come back will not primarily be. The pitiful situation of human government that should be replaced with the kingdom. Not even Israel's plight. What will motivate him is that the bride has made herself ready. This longing is in his heart right now. He is ministering in ascension, shepherding, dispensing, administrating, interceding, but the focus is to build up the church so that this church would be his lovely bride for whom he's waiting to come. God in his sovereignty Can at any moment rearrange the world situation. He can put someone in a high office, remove that person, deal with the world economy, with the international situation. But for him to build up the church, the organic body of Christ, and prepare the bride. This requires a very different kind of activity. It requires God's inward working in the lives of those believers who love Him, who are consecrated to Him, who open to Him, and who are one with Him, and who care deeply for the fulfillment. Of the desire of his heart. So to live for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Is to have the inward realization. That the purpose for which we were saved. Is the building up of the church as the body of Christ. As the preparation of the bride. When we have this realization, everything in our human life is considered in this light. We know from Romans 12 that the perfect will of God is to have the body of Christ. Once we are living in this perfect will of God, then we may seek him how to relate every other aspect of our human life to this focus. So the education of a young person has this in view. Our marriage absolutely should have this in view. We should be able to testify face to face with the Lord On the day of our wedding, I marry this person out of deep love and affection. I marry her or him for the sake of your marriage, dear Lord. The job we take, where we live, if we are living for God's purpose, has the church in view. In the 1960s, when we were meeting in Eldon Hall, maybe 200 saints lived within a few minutes walk of the meeting hall. Every decision we made regarding work, will this job interfere with my church life, will it deprive me of the church life, then I can't take it. That's why many of us brothers decided to become high school teachers. We knew we would never be affluent, but we could support our family and have the summer free for the training and the conference. to a very large extent this has been lost this has been lost you have to to know this to what extent only the Lord knows so we may be in the church life truly but when it comes down to certain decisions it seems the church doesn't exist In the name of, quote, being practical, we do this, we do that. Let me just tell you, in all honesty, I can't understand that way of living at all within the Lord's recovery. We were saved, my dear brothers and sisters, for God's purpose. That's why we're here. We were created for His will. Which is the source of his purpose. And practically speaking. God's purpose is to have. The body built up. Through saints living. The church life. So the second part of our general subject is. The fulfillment. Of God's purpose. The first part is living and overcoming. Life. As portrayed in Second Timothy, I believe the Lord has comforted many of us by helping us to see that He does not want us to try to make ourselves into victors or overcomers. He knows very well our weaknesses. And he's very aware of how the enemy can attack us at weak points at certain times. He knows we in ourselves cannot be victorious. He himself is the overcomer. The book of Revelation presents him as such. Now he in his ministry is seeking to reproduce himself in us to make us overcomers by his living, his overcoming life in us. So our part is to turn to him, to open to him, to love him and to pray, Lord, For the fulfillment of God's purpose. Make me an overcomer. I make the choice. But I can't make this happen. I choose. To allow you to make me an overcomer. According to 2nd Timothy. The overcomers. Are victorious in two ways. The first is in the midst of degradation and chaos, they remain pure and faithful to the Lord. They remain faithful to the Lord's ministry. They continue to breathe in the Holy Scriptures, God breathes Scriptures to receive all they need for their Christian life. They continue to call, to seek righteousness, holiness, love, and faith, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. They continue to present themselves as vessels of honor. The Lord will not just eliminate all the problems and difficulties. we overcome in them. As Romans 837 says, "In all these things, The Lord is not going to abolish the traffic in L.A. We, we will overcome in the traffic. We will overcome in the social situation that we're in. And Romans 8.37 makes it clear. We more than conquer through him who loved us. This is a key. The Lord loves us. We allow him to love us now paul was one with the enemy to want to murder the saints paul later said that christ loved the church and gave himself up for her but what touches me is what he said in galatians 2:20 christ loved me and gave himself up for me it's very personal And we need to realize this. There's a lot of resistance in us. It's not willful, it's just a product of all that we've been through. It can be hard to believe that anyone would really love us. When I was 19, because of a certain Event that took place that touched me at the core. I no longer believed either in joy or in love. I just would settle for respect. You'll have to respect my intellect to whatever extent that is there. And this was my mindset when I came into the church life. But it changed in one meeting when we sang hymn 285. Come and rejoice with me. For I have found a friend who knows my heart's most secret depths, yet loves me without end. Come and rejoice with me. I, once so sick at heart, have met with one who knows my case and knows the healing art. Amen. So I do pray for you, even as I'm speaking, that it would become very real to you that the Lord loves you because. He is love itself. And this along with one other matter. Really enables us to be overcomers. It is the developing love in song of songs. That eventually produces the Shulamite. The reproduction of Christ. Who is an overcomer? Being produced as an overcomer takes place in the context of a delightful, sweet, sometimes ecstatic, divine romance. And the more the love grows, the more we become as beautiful as Tirza as lovely as Jerusalem and as terrifying as an army with banners but there's something else I would mention that all the overcomer wannabes and all the overcomers in process eventually come to realize and I owe the full understanding of this through the first message Brother Watchman he nee gave when his ministry was resumed. He had to stop because of massive internal rebellion against him from within the churches. Hardly anyone stood with him. Brother Lee did. And there's a book containing the messages given during the resumption of Watchman Nee's ministry. And the first message is on mercy. And in that message, Brother Nee says, there needs to come a time in your Christian life. When you realize everything depends on God's mercy. In First 1 Timothy one sixteen, Paul who regarded himself rightly as the greatest sinner said, I receive mercy to be a pattern to all those who would believe. So Paul is a pattern of how one, a devil man, breathing out murder, Became an overcoming God man at the end. There needs to come a time. When we don't attribute anything to anything we are or have done. We actually cannot explain why God is so kind to us. So tender. So sweet. Why he would pour such love into our being. We can only say. It's mercy all. Immense and free. But oh my God. It found out me. So in opening. His writing to Timothy. The second epistle. Paul says to Timothy. Beloved child, grace, mercy, peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In all the other epistles except 1 Timothy, he mentioned grace and peace, but not mercy. But when the situation is complicated and difficult, Paul realizes We have to receive mercy. I just wonder. This won't happen I know. Because what would happen. If everyone. With positions. In the U.S. government. The president. The cabinet members. The senators. The representatives. Would kneel down in their offices and pray for mercy. Well, only when the kingdom comes will there be such a thing. But at least we can receive the mercy to recognize that we need mercy. It's because God is merciful that we never give up on anyone. Now, at the end of 1 Timothy, I mentioned this earlier. Paul refers to a brother named Onesiphorus. Paul has just said, all who are in Asia have turned away from me. <clears> then <throat> he mentions an exception. Onesiphorus. May the Lord grant mercy. To the house of Onesiphorus. The whole family would receive mercy. Because the dad, the husband. Was absolutely one. One with the apostle in his affliction. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. He was not ashamed to be identified with an imprisoned apostle. But being in Rome, he sought me out diligently and found me. So he went to Rome Having no idea where the prison is. Where Paul was. And he sought him out until he found him. In order to minister to him. May the Lord grant him. To find mercy from the Lord in that day. That's judgment. So Paul. Prays for mercy. Mercy. On the house of Anesaphorus. He prays that the Lord would that he would find mercy from the Lord in that day. And in how many things he served me in Ephesus, you do not know. In Ephesus, part of Asia that forsook him. Here was a brother that was very clear. You can all turn away. I cannot. I am very clear concerning the ministry of this apostle. I owe him my life, all that I know concerning the truth. You may forsake him, I will serve him. And Brother Lee in the note refers to him as an overcomer. In this case and in this situation. Someone was an overcomer simply by being willing to not be ashamed of being identified with one considered a criminal. So we may live an overcoming life by Christ. Living again in us, his overcoming life, motivating us by his immeasurable love, and then melting us with his mercy. I love to worship the Father for his mercy. Amen. One day I shared something. during a meeting in Anaheim. And a sister was there with her sister in the flesh. They're both sisters. But the one visiting had left the recovery and was critical. And she was whispering to her sister while I was speaking, you know, who does he think he is? And the sister shared that with me. I wasn't bothered at all. I said, please tell your sister this. Who do I think I am? I am a man who because of God's mercy has not been consumed. That's what I think. So I'm here with you under the sweet Mercy of God. And mercy reaches farther than grace. Mercy can reach any human being. And Paul said. I'm repeating. He hoped that Onesimus would find mercy in that day. There is a good verse in James in chapter 2. And James is making the contrast between being judgmental and being merciful. And he says those who judge without mercy will be judged also without mercy. Mercy boasts against judgment. One characteristic. Of overcomers in the church life. Is that they don't judge anyone. They don't criticize anyone. I was once in a store in northern Michigan. Operated by a dear brother and sister in the Lord. And there was a poster. And the poster said, I prayed for justice, for righteousness. And then I considered myself. And I prayed for mercy. <laughs> so it is with this atmosphere of mercy that we come to message for. And here, Paul can tell Timothy with assurance that he now knows he's an overcomer he had said earlier I kept the faith I fought the good fight and I finished the course earlier he could say I'm running the course I'm pursuing I'm stretching forth because he was still running he couldn't say he finished If you're running a marathon, how can you say at the 14 mile mark, "I'm victorious, I finished"? (laughs) There was one person who was in the Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii. You know, first I don't know how much you swim—is it three miles or so? Then you bike for about 112 miles, then you run a marathon. And you're considered successful if you finish by sundown. And one runner. Collapsed about 100 yards before the finish line. She couldn't say. I did it. You know have you ever seen someone in a football game running for a touchdown. High. High kicking high. Before he gets to the goal line then someone attacks him or fumbles. Okay, overcomers don't do such silly things. <laughs> so pause the pattern. And, and all of us are following this pattern. It's only when you finish the course that you can say, I finished the course. And so we read the title already. Let's look at the three major points in which Paul is really imparting something quite marvelous into his spiritual child, Timothy. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So, this is the reward of the kingdom. The crown meaning you will be a co-king. And righteousness because the coming age will be the age of righteousness. The present age is the age of grace. There's such a longing for righteousness and justice. But that will be in the coming age. All unrighteousness will be uprooted. So the crown will be of righteousness because the overcomers will reign in righteousness over that part of the earth assigned to them. With which the Lord the righteous judge. So the Lord here is the son of man. God has given all judgment to the son. We will all stand before the son of man. And he is. Righteous judge. But. This righteous judge in his ministry said. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. If we are merciless. To others. Severe. Legal. When we stand before the righteous judge he will say. I will judge you according to absolute and strict righteousness, just as you have judged others. Or he may say, the basic criterion, is, but in your case, it's tempered by mercy. And believe me, we're all going to need mercy on that day. Which the Lord the righteous judge will recompense me in that day. So to recompense is to kind of. Give a just. Award. In this age we pay the price. We're not rewarded. We're paying the price now. By the Lord's grace. But on that day the Lord will. More than make things equal. Here you serve me. For 50 or 60 years. I give you a reward. That lasts a thousand years. That's much more than equal. That is a righteous and merciful recompense in that day. Then he says and not only to me. And we'll have a section on this. But also all those who have loved his appearing. Please notice the grammar here. He could have said to all those who love his appearing. That's true. But he says to all those who have loved his appearing. That indicates their way of life has been a way of loving his appearing. It wasn't at the last minute. They got a dose of love. And loved his appearing. They have loved. Sister Barber was like this. She imparted this to brother knee. They were taking a walk together. Out in the open. And they turned a corner. And sister Barber said. Watchman maybe. We'll meet the Lord. Right around that corner. This is not a last minute thing. We need to look to the Lord to impart to us. Not only a love for him. But a love for his appearing. A says the crown is a symbol of glory. Given as a prize. In addition to the Lord's salvation. To the triumphant runner. Runner. the race now in this race we're not competing with anyone that brother ted told me i I asked him what's this on on the back of your car 13.1 what what is that he's and there, there were two of those he said it's a half marathon and his goal was to keep running and to finish it didn't matter whether someone running a full marathon finished the full before he finished the half. He's not competing with them. His aspiration is to keep running and finish. And he kept running and finished. Amen. That's a very good illustration. We we're not we're not in rivalry. There's a reward for everyone who keeps running and finishes. There's not a limited number of crowns that you kind of going to elbow each other out. (laughs) There's no rivalry in the body of Christ. It's your it's your, your it's your personal best. And if someone look there, there's one heard about one race It's a super marathon. This is what you do. Everyone runs for 24 hours. And whoever runs the farthest wins. And some actually do this and they stay alive after that. (laughs) Okay, so maybe, let's just say the Lord for some reason, this measures out to me a 24 hour super marathon. And he measures out to you half a marathon. We get the same reward don't compare yourself with others don't compete with others just keep running until you finish then the lord is there he said you can see him he said i got the crown come on keep going i got the crown for you This prize is neither of grace nor by faith as salvation is, but of righteousness through works. So it's a reward for our service. The crown of righteousness will be awarded, not according to the grace of the Lord, but according to his righteousness. And the one who awards it will be the Lord as the righteous judge. I noticed after, I didn't, didn't follow this, but I happened to become aware of this one part. With the last Olympics, an American marathoner was either second or third. And I think it was a runner from Ethiopia that is just super class. But he really encouraged this young American that you are going to be a great runner. This is what overcomers do, they don't say, I'm the best, so I have overcome the world, like one boxer once said. <laughs> okay, he just said, I did it, and now I'm for you doing the same thing. Amen. It's not just for me, it's for us all. Amen. The crown of righteousness of which Paul was assured is an incentive to the inoculator to overcome. The degradation of the church. So our wise God has set forth the kingdom as a reward to motivate us. Then B. The crown of righteousness. Is a reward that will be given. To all who love the Lord's appearing. If. I come to your house unexpectedly, and you and your wife are arguing. I don't think you'll love my appearing. Okay. You know we are, we 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 Christians, we're really complicated. As anyone other than this person, and acknowledging a weakness. Do you know of any situation where a husband and wife are arguing? Then the phone rings, the husband answers it, and it's a saint. So he gets spiritual on the phone. (laughs) Hangs up the phone and continues the fight. (laughs) That is not fighting the good fight. (laughs) So to love the Lord's appearing... Is that it would be exceedingly desirable and precious to us if he would manifest himself. And we need to receive this because the Lord knows our our heart and I know our heart a little bit. You've got dear young people here. IN THEIR LATE TEENS, OR YOU HAVE SOME YOUNG ADULTS IN THEIR 20s. AND THEY MAY LOOK AT A BROTHER MY AGE AND SAY, YES, IT'S ONE THING FOR YOU TO LOVE THE LORD'S APPEARING. YOU ALREADY LIVED ALREADY. AND SO YOUR SECRET PRAYER IS, LORD JESUS, COME, BUT NOT YET. come uh, after I get my Ph.D., come after I get married, come after I'm a mom. No, it's come after I'm a grandma, (laughs) come after I'm a great-grandma. Look, when the Lord comes back, there's going to be young adults here. There's going to be young people here. And they need to receive the love for the Lord's appearing. That on the one hand, we live a normal life. Really as if it would last 95 years. But inwardly, we realize we're at the end of an age. And we love the Lord. And we would love to see him. I say again with, with a consciousness... The Lord is right here in this meeting. He said his name is Emmanuel. He said I will be with you all the days. He's right here. I'd like to say Lord Jesus. I would be very happy. If you would appear right now. If you would manifest yourself right now. We believe that line in the hymn. Our sister wrote he's joyful and radiant but Lord I would like to see your joyful and radiant face. Amen. The Lord's appearing His coming back. This is one is a warning an encouragement and an incentive to us all of those. We should love the Lord's appearing and look forward to it with earnest expectation and joy. I believe we touched this for a few minutes during the table meeting. When we sang that stanza about we're waiting the kingdom. We will feast again with him. You know, in Luke 12. The Lord refers to the overcomers being in the kingdom. And he says, at that time, I will gird myself and come forth and serve you. Can you imagine that? It's there. Here is the kingdom. It's the feast. And the, the bridegroom, the kingdom would say, I'm so happy you're all here. This is a victorious feast. Please be comfortably seated. Let me serve you. He will gird himself and serve us. I was considering this during the table. I think we would all weep for joy. What kind of wonderful person is this? He's not here as the king. In his majesty merely. So surely the Lord wants to impart to us a love for the appearing of this person. When a brother really loves a sister or a sister or brother, you just love to see that one. The appearing, it just follows. So we in particular need to ask the Lord... To infuse into us. A love for his appearing. And point three. Is a sobering point. Loving the Lord's appearing. Is in contrast to loving the present age. The world. Now before us. Demas. Has forsaken me. Paul could have just said that. But he told Timothy. Timothy. Having loved the present age. And Timothy knew Demas. They were all co workers together. So here's a co worker, by all outward appearance, so capable, so productive. But only the Lord knows the inward situation. Now there comes a test. There's a trial. And he backs down. And he forsakes Paul. And Paul identifies the reason. Demas loved. The present age. He loved the world that was available right now. With its enjoyment. And its way to escape any suffering involved with not being ashamed of the apostle. There may be real surprises on that day. I'm not suspicious and we are not a suspicious people. I'm speaking in principle. It may be that at the end a Demas will forsake everything. Some did it in 1989, they did it. Something in them eventually surfaced and directed them. When Peter was preaching the gospel the first time in Acts chapter two, and the people were convicted And he sent he said repent and be saved from this crooked and perverse generation. And in Philippians Paul mentions you are lights in the world in the midst of crooked generation. Eternal salvation is one thing. But the Bible clearly reveals And the type of Noah makes very clear. We also need to be saved from this generation. The present manifestation of the world that's surrounding us. If you love that. You're defeated. If that love is in you and not touched. Then at the right time the enemy will activate it. And you'll turn and run. You'll say. "What? what who is. Witness Lee. What is the Lord's recovery. What is this. This is the contrast. Among believers. A co-worker. I'm saying again. A co-worker. In 1974. There was to be the life study of Romans. In the summer. But Brother Lee had. Serious eye problem and a surgery he couldn't minister. Four brothers spoke. Three of them left their recovery later. The fourth was James Barber, who died in victory. So we need to realize the Lord cares for inward reality. Reality. And in chapter three of 2nd Timothy, Paul identifies the degraded love among Christianity as a religion. He says, he speaks of those who love the self, who love money, and who love pleasure. The overcomers, I mentioned are motivated by the Lord's love for them. This love with its power needs to touch every other kind of love in our being. For us to be able to say, I do not love the self. I do not love pleasure. I do not love money. I love God. And I love the Lord's appearing. And this applies to every age. Meaning every age in human life. For if we love the Lord's appearing. We will take sides with him. Not with the world. And fight for his interests. It's possible inwardly of our affection, our love, that's fallen. And God sovereignly does something and we don't recognize it. And inwardly in our psychology, we may take sides with the enemy. We don't recognize God's sovereign action. But when we love the Lord's appearing... Spontaneously, we stand with him. And we fight for his interests. Okay, in Roman 2. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and will save me into his heavenly kingdom, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he had the assurance that the Lord would deliver him and the Lord would save him. I don't fully know why Paul could have this assurance. I know from what is revealed in the word. One is he was very clear that Christ was victorious over the enemy absolutely. He wrote to the church in Rome, he said, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So he realized that the Lord is victorious and well able to deliver him from every evil work. But I also believe he prayed for this. There's a time. To echo part of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Lord. Deliver us from the evil one. We need to pray for our children. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord save me. (coughs) For his heavenly kingdom. There's a leading brother in one church who went to the Lord. I don't know maybe 12 years ago. The Lord really gained him at the very end of his life. He had a very severe illness. And those who knew him said this was his constant prayer as he was breathing his last. Lord, deliver me from every evil work. Save me into his heavenly kingdom. The heavenly kingdom, which equals the crown of righteousness is the kingdom of our Father, the kingdom of the Father, the kingdom of Christ and of God, and the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which will be a reward to the overcoming saints. The overcoming believers will participate in the heavenly kingdom, the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. As the righteous, the sons of the kingdom, the overcomers, Will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. All the overcomers will be glowing. In the heavenly kingdom, the overcomers will drink the cup of the new covenant anew with their Lord. When the Lord established the table, he said, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom. In the kingdom, We will have a Lord's table meeting and the Lord will drink the cup with us. I don't want to miss that meeting. In the kingdom of their Father, the overcoming believers will feast with the Old Testament overcomers. To the overcomers, the heavenly kingdom will be a joyful inheritance. In the heavenly kingdom, the overcomers will inherit eternal life and thereby have a fuller enjoyment of the divine life. In the heavenly kingdom, the overcomers will enter into the Lord's joy and thus gain their soul, save their soul, and enjoy the salvation of their soul. (coughs) Okay. This needs a little explanation. The soul is the organ of enjoyment and our soul life wants enjoyment and the basic ethical principle of our society is enjoyment and the least pain as possible. And it's just incredible what we pay people to entertain us. The incredible amounts of money. Millions and millions of dollars for musicians and athletes. But to follow the Lord requires that we are one with him. And this will require some degree of suffering in our soul. That is the losing of the soul life. We are willing to suffer in our soul. In order to be one with the Lord in this age and follow him. Then when the Lord comes. Our soul will be released from suffering. And enter into the joy of the Lord. That will be the salvation of the soul. But. Believers like Demas. Who want to save their soul. They say I'm not. Gonna risk my neck to be with Paul. I don't want to be in prison with him, to be identified with him. I'm going to Thessalonica, I have a good time. He's saving his soul. When the Lord comes back, he will lose his soul, and will be disciplined his soul for a thousand years. There's a reason the Lord says to the faithful ones, "Well done." good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord few servants of the Lord have suffered as much as brother watchman knee 20 years in that situation surely when the Lord is manifested he will have a very high degree of enjoyment We're not talking about inflicting punishment on yourself. That's a religious practice, making yourself suffer. We're talking about being one with the Lord at a cost. Do you think? I remember asking Dick Taylor one time. Because we both travel so much. And I until recently had to always travel alone. The loneliness was unbearable. I said, Dick, before you're about to leave on another trip, are you ever kind of sad? He said, sure. You think it's easy to go again? Make another midnight flight, 16 hours to this place, on and on. Well, to be one with the Lord and follow him entails some suffering in the soul. So my decision is, so be it. I'm not here to save my soul. I'm here to love the Lord and serve him. And when the Lord comes, I'll look forward to a thousand years of ecstatic enjoyment. Amen. BUT DON'T THINK THAT WE HAVE A JOYLESS LIFE. IF I COULD JUST GIVE YOU A LITTLE TESTIMONY. SOME OF YOU ALREADY KNOW THIS. I AM HAPPIER NOW THAN I'VE EVER BEEN IN MY WHOLE LIFE. CAN YOU GUESS WHY? (laughs) SO I'M NOT SAVING MY SOUL. THIS IS THE LORD'S BLESSING. BUT WE WILL LOSE OUR SOUL LIFE TOGETHER. AS WE FOLLOW THE LAMB WHEREVER HE MAY GO. SEVEN IN THE HEAVENLY KINGDOM THE OVERCOMING BELIEVERS WILL REIGN WITH CHRIST. IN THE HEAVENLY KINGDOM THE OVERCOMERS WILL RULE THE NATIONS. IN THE HEAVENLY KINGDOM THE OVERCOMERS WILL RULE OVER ALL THE POSSESSIONS OF THE LORD. TO RECEIVE THE REWARD OF THE HEAVENLY KINGDOM. Is to have the uttermost enjoyment of Christ. In a particular way. This special portion. Will be a prize to his faithful followers. So we all need. To have a vision of this. So that we're motivated. To finish the course. The Lord will determine the length of your journey, the character of your journey. Don't compare it with others. Why the Lord determines the length of it, we don't know. It's always a sad and heartbreaking moment when we lose a co-worker like Don Looper. Like Raul Bahandas. Like Francis Ball. But at the same time. There's such a sense. They finished their course. Now they can look forward to the out resurrection. But if we are to keep running. Because it's a lifelong race. We need a clear view of what's ahead of us because the enemy will try to distract us and overwhelm us. But we need to be very very clear. There's a joy set before me. I love the Lord's appearing and I'm praying to be in that kingdom. Lord, deliver me from every evil work. Save me into your heavenly kingdom. And we pray for one another. And now the very last. Portion. in Paul's final words. I'm burdened on this. But we're so familiar with them. I'm not sure how to speak. I look to the Lord. To touch us. Paul's last word before he went to the Lord, spoken to Timothy. Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's try to consider this. Timothy is grieving because his spiritual father Is leaving. The spiritual father is ultimately devoted to the Lord and to his ministry. He finished the course. He can't remain out of natural feeling and comfort Timothy. But he could remind him Timothy, the Lord. THE LORD OF THE HEAVEN AND THE EARTH IS WITH YOUR SPIRIT. Okay, AS WE'RE GATHERED HERE, MAY THE LORD RIGHT NOW, I CAN'T DO THIS, ONLY THE LORD CAN DO THIS, MAY THE LORD RIGHT NOW HELP US TO REALIZE HE AS A PERSON IS WITH OUR SPIRIT. Yes, we praise him. He's on the throne. He's the center of God's administration. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He sovereignly arranges our lives. But we are in pressing and challenging situations. We need a Lord who is very close he, the Lord himself, my beloved brothers and sisters, I say that with much feeling. The Lord as a person, the Lord as a person who is the spirit, is with your spirit. Amen. He will always be with your spirit. If you are willing and you are, but we need to be more and more willing to turn from whatever is happening in our mind, emotion and will to turn from that, to turn our heart to the Lord and exercise our spirit, we will touch a wonderful person. What could be a greater comfort then the Lord is with your spirit. When someone has suffered the loss of a loved one, especially a spouse, it's very comforting to realize this. She is with the Lord and the Lord is with you. With your spirit. Anytime you choose to. You can contact him. He'll always be there. Then Paul also says grace be with you. You need the Lord himself. You also need the supply of the process and consummated triune God as grace. Like Him 497 says, grace in its highest definition is God in the Son to be enjoyed by us. Amen. Grace is God being your enjoyment, doing what you cannot do, being what you cannot be, and bearing what you cannot bear. Amen. That's grace. Paul could testify in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said, I labored more abundantly than all. Not I, but the grace of God. One by one, we need to make this discovery ourselves. I can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. That grace is with you. We know from the end of Philippians and Galatians. Where the grace is. Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I learned a prayer from reading a life study message. It becomes my prayer daily. Lord, supply me with today's portion of grace. Amen. And we testify to you that nothing, nothing can defeat a person who lives by grace. Amen. This grace is sufficient everywhere, Amen. every time, Amen. for every matter. Amen. This was the final word. Paul had given charges to Timothy, fulfill your ministry, teach the truth, do these things without partiality. But eventually he reminds him. The Lord is with your spirit. Only you can turn to your spirit. Timothy. God has given us the spirit of power and of love and of sober mindedness. Timothy when I'm gone. When you're grieving. Turn to your spirit. The Lord is with your spirit. The Lord, Timothy, the Lord, the person, not a thing, not an element, not a substance, not a power, a person. And grace be with you. The Lord is with our spirit that we may enjoy him as our empowering grace. To stand against the downward current of the church's decline and carry out God's economy through his indwelling spirit and equipping word for the building up of the church as the corporate expression of God. Second Timothy begins with our God given spirit fanned into flame. And ends with the Lord being with our spirit. To be our empowering grace. As the unsearchably rich capital. Of our Christian life. And church life. Both the Christian life and the church life. Are an issue of grace. Grace is the supply and grace brings the joy that is why brother nee after a lifetime of suffering 20 years of confinement and deprivation could say at the end i have kept my joy yeah. he had nothing outward to enjoy not the food not the clothing no entertainment not the most comfortable of beds. Nothing for the soul to enjoy. Those who enjoy the Lord in the midst of their human situations are the deepest and most spiritual persons on the earth. Amen. I used to think the deepest were those that had profound thoughts in the midst of their misery But I repent of that concept. Those who enjoy the Lord in the midst of their human situations. They are the overcomers. They are the victors. Pray for enjoyment. Ask the Lord to be your enjoyment. Pray for others' enjoyment. This should not be a cliche among us. WHEN YOU LOSE THE ENJOYMENT, THEN THE CHURCH LIFE WILL NOT BE A PLEASANT PLACE AS FAR AS YOU ARE CONCERNED. BROTHER LEE AT THE END GAVE OPEN TESTIMONY THAT TO HIM THE CHURCH IN ANAHEIM WAS THE PARADISE OF GOD. SO WHEN WE ENJOY GRACE In the midst of our situations, I say again, we have a supply. No matter what our soul is going through deep within, there's joy, there's peace, there's strength. And now we can live the church life, not in our natural life, but we come together as a congregation and express corporately our enjoyment of the lord personally Amen. no one is too young no one is too old to enjoy this grace Amen. second timothy begins with the wonderful christ as our saving grace continues with him as our empowering grace Chapter 2 verse 1 be empowered by the grace that is in Christ and ends with him as our ever-present grace grace is the circulating triune God working flowing communicating transporting transmitting and dispensing all that he is into us. For our enjoyment. Amen. The entire church life depends on the circulation of the divine Trinity within us. Amen. So I end my part. We have ample time now for some sharing with these simple words My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with your spirit. Amen. Grace be with you.